Welcome to the Literature Across Frontiers series, New Voices for Europe. I'm Alexandra Buchler, and it's a pleasure to introduce these interviews with writers who came to Europe from conflict zones and made the continent their new home. We have asked them about their journey, personal and creative, and what made it possible for them to restart writing as they emerged from often difficult circumstances. Some of these interviews are presented as podcasts, others as written articles. And all are a testimony to the admirable strength of spirit and perseverance the writers have shown. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Literature Across Frontiers podcast. I am Alexandra Bochler and with me today I have the Syrian writer Rabab Haidar. Rabab is a novelist, journalist and translator from Latakia living in Berlin. She majored in English literature at the University of Damascus. After graduation, she lived in the Gulf, in Africa and in Europe. She came back to Syria before the revolution and started working as a writer and journalist. Her first novel, The Land of Pomegranates, tracing the lives of three women from the Alawite community in Syria, was published in 2012. She has since then completed two more novels, which she has put on hold to reassess, as she puts it, her new situation She was awarded a Heinrich Böll scholarship in 2018 and has lived in Germany since. She participates in the project Weiter Schreiben, Writing On, which pairs immigrant and German authors to work together and translate each other's writing. She has been contributing as a journalist to Die Zeit, and is on the editorial team of Abwab, the Arabic newspaper in Germany. Thank you for joining us, Rabab. Uh, You are speaking to us from Berlin, where you have lived for over two years now. You published your first novel in 2012, and you have written two more, but as you say, you put them on hold. Why? Because when I came to Germany, actually, especially the first one in the rabbit hole, uh, into the rabbit hole. I figured out I was writing it in a very explosive moment in the wartime. And some of the questions are not real questions. And when you change, the question which is changeable between one place and another is not a real question. It's circumstantial thing. So the real question has to be applied everywhere and anywhere. So I thought, like, no, it was me in the wartime I was doing that. It was not the real question I have to to address in this novel. I left it aside to assess it, like, like to check it out later on, to get used to them, to me standing on my feet because I wasn't really uh, in a good place in Syria before. And the other one, yeah, the other one, I'm working on it right now because it suits everywhere. So yeah, I had to 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 re like to re ask myself questions again. Is it horrible? What are the questions? What are the questions you're asking now? Uh, about it was about authority, uh, about the human being in a oppressed society, 
oppression in political gains and the helplessness we feel. The individual is a real, the, the broken individual is our reality. You know, this is the mirror of everyone, of all circumstances around it. So I was thinking that, am I, I was, was I truly like reflecting what it was going on as a human being or I have to reassess it again? And I feel, yeah, I feel it needs a lot of work later on because when I came to Germany and like before I was a tourist, but when you live here, the same question, it, it shifts a little bit. You are not the, like, you are not the main character anymore of the novel, you know? You have so many uh, Germans, Europeans, refugees coming from all around the world. You feel like, yeah, I deserve, they deserve to, um, for me to dig deeper. You know, so because have you been is... working on this on this uh, third novel and rewriting it yeah. from your yeah. new perspective. Yeah. Yes, it's almost finished now. That's wonderful. And uh, you uh, is that written in Arabic? You have been writing in Arabic. My novel, yes, I write it in Arabic. Has any of it been translated? Um, yes. Or... Uh, many chapters of it translated to German and published part of it in theaters, readings and events and some newspapers. So, yeah. So where is your, where is your uh, literary community now? Uh, where are your readers? Where are your fellow writers? Are they in the wider Arabic-speaking world? Are they in diaspora? Are they in, in Germany, in Berlin? To be honest, um, I lost a little bit. Of, I don't know. That's why my, my articles are getting so, like, I cannot write articles and columns very often because some of subjects I want my, my readers in Syria to read it. And some other things I have to address it to the Germans accordingly because what they have, like, as, um, what they call it? Oh, it's a basic knowledge. We still don't have it. What we have as a basic knowledge, that European readers will not know it. So I'm confused, and I'm, until now, I'm still almost in between the two lands. I'm between Syria and Germany till now. And I feel like I cannot write for a, about a place I'm not in yet, but I cannot write about Syria because situation there is very very ugly and very rough. And I don't know if I have the, the privilege to write about them. The people inside are really under crazy pressure. Uh, fear of hunger, fear of war, fear of the, the troops of people with, with guns that are coming. No one knows what will happen. Without the pandemic, we are having a war, so the, the economy is really breaking down on top of their heads. So how can I write for them? Or to them, it's embarrassing. I don't even write. I don't even share my my pictures on Instagram because um, it's a little bit shameful, you know. They are really fighting. They are really struggling, and they can be cruel because they are in a in a very. Antoine Chekhov said it. People in a bad circumstances, they become they become tough. So I I don't know. I find myself embarrassed to write for them or about them, to be honest.
So this time I'm just concentrating on my novel. And with some, when I'm forced to write an article, I will do it out of necessity. But yeah, it's difficult now to write. I mean, I have Walter Schreiben, like what you said, and they have the idea of Walter Schreiben, even when I was in Syria, is to continue writing. Like you do continue writing against the odds, against the circumstances, whether you are in the middle of the war in Syria or you are in a foreign country like Germany. There is a place, you know, a platform to continue your writing. It means to continue your, your old personality, huh? which is really, which really makes me really stable because uh, usually shifting your place of living also means shifting something in your consciousness and leaving some kind of consciousness behind. When you don't have to shift it altogether, you still have the writing to do. Part of you is still stable, you know? It's not only security as a financial, it's security as a psychological also. Mm. But still. Yeah. So you joined the project when you were still in Syria, yeah. not after yeah. you came to Germany. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, it was funny because um, it's a funny story. When I started to write uh, as a, some kind of reports, non-fictional creative reports about the war, I had an a, a alias name, right? And then I was so fed up <laughs> from my alias name. I started, I was so angry. And you don't believe it. Fear makes you angry. Fear it makes you like, I don't care. Let's have it. So I started to publish my real name. And one of the editors, he said, oh, this text is so beautiful. Can we have it in German? I said, yeah, okay. And publishing in German, it was in Schreiben. They contacted me. Do you want to work with us? I said, yes, of course. For them, it was very interesting to have someone from inside the war. And I know, like, I, I understand that when you talk to me and I'm inside the war, and then you, you hear the missiles going down and you feel that you are doing something good. And for me, it was a blessing, really, because in my head, if I went to prison or someone arrested me or kidnapped me, I have a voice outside to talk for me. And that was a very big deal for me. I felt safe. Maybe it will not be the same. Maybe I will be dead in a bullet, like shot. But uh, but this is this what keeps me, this idea what kept kept me very courageous and kept me going for about two years till I came here. That I know I have voices in the free world to <laughs> to talk about me with this beautiful woman, not only feminist, they are humanist, and so I felt really really safe. Because I'm writing outside. And have you been uh, working with one particular writer? Tell me, tell me about this this collaboration that was made possible through this project. Through this project, they will assign a, a local writer, German writer, to be with you. Because most of the writers, they were here in Germany, or like already they are here in Germany as refugees. For me, I was in Syria, so we thought that we are going only to have a to have a Skype every now and then, and just to check how to publish and the publishing uh, atmosphere environment because we have completely different environment in publishing uh, in the Arabic world. But what happened is, two years before that, I met Ula Lenze. Two years before that, I read this book. It was a beautiful book with a horrible translation, the worst translation ever. 
But I can tell, even behind the translation, I can tell the language was beautiful. The ideas is so beautiful. And it started for me with like, I was so depressed. So my friend gave me this book. He said, hey, this is a beautiful book. Just He, he owns a publishing house. Read this. It makes you feel better. So I start like ah, another European talking about, you know, the, the, the West is talking about the East because about it was the two characters, brother and sister in India. And I was like, ah, again, <laughs> those Westerners, they want to be Orientals, blah, blah. But then I start to read it. And it was so beautiful. And really, the characters are very well done. I mean, they continue with you after the book. So I was in love with this book. And, you know, as a critical thinker, like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I was arrogant at the time to think that no one can write about East or Easterns or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I love this, this book so much. And it was for Ula Lisa. That's what was written. And then two years after that, I had this Skype with my Ula Lente from Germany, uh, assigned by Walter Schreiben to be my partner in writing. And we were talking. And then she said, oh, I have one book, Sister and Brother, is written in Arabic. I was like, shit, this is you. This is you. Like It was like reading. She said, oh, how come you read it? I said, yes, this book happened this and that with me. And I love it so much. And I told her it was, it was amazing. And apparently, we have the same mutual friends. Because one time she went to Damascus. She went through the neighborhood I live in to the restaurant I like with my friends who are really close friends. One of them is my publisher. But just like our road never never crossed until Walter Schreiben came. And we both went to India. We both we both into yoga and ashrams and you know those days. So it was it was amazing. And what's beautiful about about Ola Lente, she is a human being. She is not a woman, a, Germ, a German uh, writer. So we can discuss all those aspects freely as a woman, as, as a writer, as a German. So uh, it helped me to figure out a lot of things and to figure out how much we are similar. I mean, from Muslim to Christianity, from strict to a very, a very radical thinking to, to very radical uh, uh, anarchist. We studied everything, studied. We discussed everything. And every time we discover that we are all very the same, our people, our environments, of course, there's differences that that doesn't shift reality, really. It's the same reality. We are the same human being, the same stupid things, the same, the same idiocy. We tend to repeat it every couple of decades. It is only the same. And uh, how does this... So you have these conversations which have been really going on now for, what, four years or longer? And how do they affect your writing? Do you actually discuss each other's writing, each other's new work. Yeah, that's why I write in English. My articles, and even sometimes uh, part of my uh, novel, when I want her to read it, I send it to her in English. Because uh, it's easier and it's very direct and you don't have to wait for 15 days for the translator, blah, blah. Um, so I, I write it in English, send it to her. and uh, But actually it's it's like... It didn't affect my my it doesn't it didn't affect my writing actually because um, I don't know we each one of us we, she has a different style in writing we like each other even before we know each other she liked my text and I liked her her book 
And uh, we have, but the discussion was about special concepts, like the concept of beauty, color, uh, economical aspect of beauty, for example, the political perspective of beauty or, or color or environment, or especially when you are writing a book, through the, the eye of the character, you have to see the colors and the, you have to create what they like or they don't like. Sometimes they have their own opinion, so it's, it's good to have another perspective, not only your perspective. You say that you have been uh, writing these texts or translating them for, for Ula to be able to, to, to read them or others to be able to read them. So have you actually been writing in English or are you translating what you have written in Arabic? How does it work? No, you know, with each language, it, you have a different character. Uh, my English character is good. <laughs> Sometimes she thinks better than my Arabic character. <laughs> because my Arabic character, sometimes she gets so moody in writing, I have to calm her down. But my English writer, character, she is very, the way I read. I read articles, I read a lot of novels, so I became one of those people. I even have a different style when I'm writing English to Arabic. Sometimes I write in Arabic, someone will tell me, oh, does it like? Did you really read it? Write it because it seems like you are translating it. Because I I think about it in English. I try to write it in Arabic. So it's not about only getting easier to reach the audience and other authors. It's also because uh, I'm I'm reading English since I was a little girl. My father he, he was a very enthusiastic about English literature. Uh, he was an English teacher also. So, yeah, I get used to this Reader's Digest and, uh, you know, Zadie Smith, of course, we read it the first thing we have to read it. And besides Shakespeare and, and other stuff, Byron and all those beautiful people. So, yes, I, I, I write it as a different personality and I like it more, to be honest. So you have these conversations also be be between your Arabic writing self and your English writing self. Yeah. And um, what, what then happens with these texts? Um, I've read some, you sent them to me and it gave me an idea of, of your writing. Um, will you then continue writing in English or uh, how will you continue writing in Arabic? How, how easy or difficult is it to, for you to um, actually maintain um, you know, connection with the language. Um, how, I will never how lose my Arabic that? language. I'm trying to publish every now and then in Arabic, and I'm counting on my novel to be published in Arabic because I'm in love with it. I love my people. I love my language so much. But uh, but I for the column writer, like for the columns and the articles, I find it so much easier because the craft of writing articles here is more established in the English talking world. So it's easier for me to follow the standards, right? So, uh, but now it, maybe I will change my mind later on, but now this is the way I do it as much as I can. Because I'm not, till now, I'm not really here. I wrote this beautiful book. Uh, it's British, actually. And it's all about the second generation of, of, of immigrants. It's called Good Immigrant. 
and it was so interesting. I love it so much. This is the second time I'm reading it. It was text. It is text uh, written by beautiful writers. And it's scary that you still have another generation to understand your stand in the world. It's not easy. And I'm here for only two years, so I don't know. This is the good immigrant. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So how will you... Uh, you're hoping to get this second novel published? That will be in Arabic. Um, what about getting your work translated um, in, into German, in, into English? Will that happen eventually? Yeah, of course it will happen, but I'm good. I'm trying to make it first in Arabic because there is uh, offers to, to be written, like to be published in, in German, but I want the Arabic first. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, it's easy when, whenever. It's, I think it's, if it's good, it's going to be translated. If it's not good, <laughs> it's on me and I have to deal with it. <laughs> but I think it's good. True. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, because I love it so much right now. I doubt it, but I'm in love with it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> And the Heinrich Bell uh, scholarship. Um, uh, so, so you you were already in touch with uh, uh, with Ulla Lenze, and you you were part of the project. Um, how how uh, did you get this the scholarship, and how that that work? That really brought you to Germany, didn't it? Actually, no, because Heinrich Bull is different than but. Heinrich Bull is a different organization know, from Butler Schreiber. I know, but but publishing here maybe helped me a little bit with it, like pushed me a, a little bit. I don't think so actually, because they were I applied, I applied without telling them that I'm writing in German. Okay. Later on, uh, they said to me, "Oh, you're writing here. Can we have some of your works?" And then I get I was like writing only two articles at the time. Mm. Uh, so yeah, but it really helped. Of course. Okay. Maybe. And uh, we actually haven't met uh, properly. We haven't met face to face. We only met on online in through Zoom. We've done some conversations for festivals and uh, book fairs. Um, how has the the pandemic uh, affected your writing? And um, have you be have you been um, using this opportunity to do more online? Um, has it been, you know, how has it been for you as a person, as a writer? Tell me. To be honest, isolation is very good when you are finishing your, your in the finishing process of your work. But but when you are in the process of writing, you need to see people, you need to, especially in when you are reading, it's beautiful to have the audience reaction and you know that you had a score or you failed here or the discussions before and after the, the reading is always useful to have another perspective and you know how how really you, how much you can affect people and have start conversations this those things are not here anymore and something else my friend told me about I'm, I'm a coffee shop writer actually and he said to me ah oh, this is such a cliche and I was like uh, no here it's a cliche but in my country it was like a revolutionary thing <laughs> to be a woman writer in a coffee shop. <laughs> but yeah, I used to, to write in coffee shops and in trains. Here in Germany, I used to go in trains for long distances so I can see people. I had the isolation. 
and still among people. You know, these transit places yeah, are so beautiful yeah. and so calming. So you miss that. You miss the cafes. I miss that, yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah. it affected me bad. <laughs> <laughs> so so hopefully like this will be over. <laughs> Otherwise, we have to shift our way of thinking completely. Mm. But we have to survive. So we have to adopt as much as we can. That's what we are trying to do. We have no other chance. And uh, what about the, the, there's a number of of, uh, uh, Syrian writers actually living, or artists, not just writers, living in Berlin. Are you part of that uh, that diaspora community or not, not, and not just Syrians, other other, um, Arabic speaking writers? Uh, Is that a community you, you relate to? Yeah, most of them are theatrical people from theater and some writers, of course, and some poets. And yeah, we, it's nice to know that you are not the only one in the midst of this confusion. We are all in it. And we discuss it about, we discuss about translation, about the new audience, about our old ideas and new ideas. Most of us, we have the same ideas because as a writer, you cannot be uh, like contained in one place. But uh, yeah, they, we, I, I like discussing things with them. I like to, I like to know that I'm not the only one who is confused about your audience and where's your readers, where's your community. We're all in the same thing. But I think it's a short time, right? Two years or five years or six years. It's still, it's, we still need time, I think. Now, um, what are your plans for what will you do when, when the, these restrictions are over? Um, I have so many uh, unfinished articles. It's not articles, it's text about my life in Berlin as a woman, as a foreigner, as a brown person. <laughs> it's funny to say that, but yeah, it's true. And uh, it's it's very eye-opening experiences. And I talk about it, and all of us, we have it in a very beautiful way, to be honest. I never faced something dangerous. It was always interesting. Sometimes it's not nice, but it's interesting. Um, and that's why I like this book, because I'm not the, all immigrants, apparently, they have this thing. It doesn't matter what color you are. You're immigrant, and you have to face it. It's a different culture. That's it. So I'm trying uh, to finish those texts, and hopefully it will become a book. And um, th- that's it, actually. I'm not thinking about now how I, I will end up a book or articles. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just putting the seeds of the ideas there, my experiences, my daily life, something like that. So let's see what will happen. Has the pandemic actually in this isolation, has it uh, has it changed your perspective as a writer? I, I remember you said once that you actually, uh, you know, you, you're not a, a very outgoing person. You, you actually no, I'm introvert. enjoy being on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't know that before. I mean, I thought of myself as a social butterfly, but 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 after the pandemic, I was somehow contained. I don't know what to say. That you have the whole time and the whole life is only for you, and you know everyone else have it. And we went back to to our inner selves, forcefully, of course, like we are forced to do that. But uh, this thing makes us evaluate things in a different way, and your connections. And I love life more. I think now. Uh, and I appreciate individuality more <laughs> on the, the people who are really struggling to to face their real life 
through the, the screen. Not only writers, teachers, and, and the white colors, even people. They are fighters, really. We are all fighters, aren't we? So it's nice. It, it was very nice. And I didn't really mind it in a way that I am introvert. Mm -hmm. I really love my time for myself. Well, I still hope that um, uh, when we can, we can we can actually meet face to face and have a have a, yeah. have a glass of wine, and uh, in Berlin or somewhere else. Hopefully. And uh, thank you so much for for uh, talking to me. And um, I really also hope that one day I will be able to read your books in English translation. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your invitation. And as usual, it's very nice talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Rabat. Thank you for listening to the Literature Across Frontiers podcast. You can hear more episodes from the series by subscribing to follow the Literature Across Frontiers podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Feel free to rate the podcast and give us a review, especially if it's going to be a five-star one. Please also help us raise awareness about the Literature Across Frontiers podcast through your social media accounts. And finally, I'd like to thank the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union for making this interview series possible with their support.